Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. On today's episode, I have author Dana L. Davis, author and actor, I should say, on the podcast to discuss her latest book, Somebody That I Used to Know. Dana is an author, actress, and voiceover artist who lives and works in Los Angeles. She's starred in Heroes, Coach Carter, Franklin and Bash, Veronica Mars, and countless other film and TV productions. A few of her animation credits include Stars, Star vs. the Forces of Evil, Craig of the Creek, and She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Dana is a classically trained violinist and founder of the LA-based nonprofit Culture for Kids LA, which provides inner-city children with free tickets and transportation to attend performing arts shows around LA County. Dana is a fantastic individual. I had the most wonderful time talking to her. We talked about art. We talked about having something to say. We talked about storytelling. Of course, we talked about somebody that I used to know, and we talked about acting. And yes, we talked about making the world a better place. Can't wait for you to hear the episode. But before we get there, I do want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now without further ado, my episode with Dana L. Davis will be right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I am excited, is a woman of many, many, many talents, Dana L. Davis, the one and only. Dana, how are you doing today? Yay! I love that introduction. <laughs> I'm doing really well. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm excited. There, You are a really, in my opinion, a extremely unique individual in that you've got sort of these two careers that are really nuanced and incredible. You've got an acting career and an author career, and we're going to talk about the book today as well. Um, but I think in general as well, you've got such unique perspective on what you bring to your books and what you bring to your roles. And so I'm excited to dig into a couple of different avenues today. But before we get started, for those that are new to the Detox Podcast, here at the show, I invite listeners to quote unquote detox from the world around them. Take a take a sit back, relax, 45, 50 minutes, however long the episode is, and get a window into how other people live their lives. And so I like to ask my guests right at the top of the episode, Dana, what are you currently detoxing from? I'm using air quotes for those that can't see me. <laughs> um, no, that's such a good question. I mean, you forgot one of my biggest jobs, which is a mom. You're right. Um, you are correct. So... <laughs> Being a fellow parent, I don't know how that slipped to my mind. I think sometimes it's it's so ingrained that I start to to Mel melge? That's not a word. Merge, melge. I like I like that word. Melge. <laughs> yes, but yes, being a mom as well. Yeah, so I think that's um the question is what am I detoxing from, right? Right. I think I just we just switched my kiddo over into this private school. My daughter is um high functioning autistic and one of the things that the school does is there's no homework. Oh, so I'm awesome. like detoxing from that situation, from homework, like it's like a whole new life where I'm not focused on like 
you know, getting all the answers right. I don't even know what she's doing in school. The other day, yeah. someone was like, what's your daughter learning? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care. Um, she's happy. And it's yeah. such a better situation. So, yeah, I would say I'm detoxing from, from homework or being involved in any way. Right. Aside from, like, getting her ready and, like, packing her lunch and right. stuff. What she's doing at school. So That's that's really refreshing being in the so my kiddos are in person for the first time period because the the pandemic put us virtual for the last wow. two years and it's been it's been an adjustment for all of us here because so my daughter's in second grade my son's in kindergarten and they're both both going to school first time and it's it's a lot right like the getting ready yeah. the the oh checking the schoolwork the all the things and then to go from we thought we were doing some of that with virtual, but no, it's a completely different world being back in person. And it's, it's I, insane. I feel like, so we're recording this at the beginning of November and it's releasing uh, a little bit after that. And just a peek behind the curtain for folks. And it is, I feel just now at the start of the next, the third three weeks, wait, the third, goodness gracious, the third six weeks weeks. There we go. Say that five <laughs> times fast. Um, I feel like we're finally starting to get a handle on it. So I, I completely understand yeah. that. I, I feel like getting your kids ready in the morning should be like an Olympic sport. Oh with my like goodness. Commentators. Oh. <laughs> like I li oh. like, I'm like, Oh, the mom forgot the water bottle. Like that's a deduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be 10 points there, Bob. <laughs> right. Or when you get like a message from the teacher and they're like, Oh, oh. I think you might've forgot Cam's <laughs> lunchbox. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I see it like sitting on the couch, and I'm like, no. <laughs> We've, so, uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. I'm just gonna double down on what you're sharing right now, and then we'll get we'll get to talking about somebody that I used to know. Your incredible book that just released on October 18th. Um, my son has been in the habit. I think we're good now, but for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, rather, I should say it was, um, we would send him with something, say a water bottle, perhaps he would forget it. We would send another one. He would of bring course. home the first one he lost, but he would leave <laughs> the other one. So we were playing this like ba addition and subtraction game. And then finally, oh man, w when he listens to this, when he's older, he's going to be very unhappy with me <laughs> for sharing the story. But I sent him with a lunchbox full of food that he left there and bought lunch because he had forgotten. And he's in kindergarten, so some of these things are understandable. It was a Friday that he had forgotten it. And so on Monday, I sent a new lunch, and I picked him up, and the new lunch was not eaten. And I said, hey, uh, what's going on? He's like, I remembered my lunchbox. I went, wait a minute. This lunchbox feels lighter. And I opened it, and it was it was ripe. I had put some berries in there on Friday, and it had sat in a, in a warm locker all weekend. And I asked him, I said, hey, where'd the food go? And he said, oh, I ate it. I ate all my lunch. Aren't you glad? And I went, okay. So I need to go on like food sickness watch. He was fine. Everything was fine. I guess that's how they build oh up an gosh. immunity. But oh my goodness, it was, uh, it was, uh, that was one of those moments as a parent where you're like, look, I've literally done everything that I can. I, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's up to you. Like, I don't know what to do. Oh my gosh! You can't a trip. make this stuff up. It's no, hilarious. no, parenting. <laughs> I had to share it so I would remember it for years to come. Um, right. Because wow, what a what a day that that was. Um, so I completely <laughs> understand the detoxing. Um, now I want to know. So speaking of, I would say growing up, 
um, and and uh, learning new things along the way. Can you walk us through? So some folks may know you uh, from many of your acting roles that you've had throughout your career. So being on uh, Heroes, being on Ten Things I Hate About You. I actually recognize you from Veronica Mars. Uh, if we're oh, gonna yay. go that road, because yes, <laughs> I love a good n- noir story, detective noir story, especially when you flip it a bit and have uh, a, a teenage girl in high school playing the role of the detective. Anyways, it was fantastic. Um, but some folks may remember you from all of these acting careers, acting careers, acting stats that you've had throughout your career. How did you start getting um, the ball rolling in the acting department growing up? What drew you to acting in the first place? Um, yeah, that's such a great question. I was, I started acting when I was seven years old. Oh, wow. So I was just like a super smart kid and my mom was trying to figure out what to do with me because <laughs> I had like so many questions and sure. she was just like, I got to find something for this kid to do. So she took me to this thing called Showtime Pal in my city where I'm from, Davenport, Iowa. Shout out to Davenport, <laughs> Iowa. And um, the first play that I saw was um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes. And I just remember connecting so deeply to this to this story and the kids on stage and I was just like, so moved and inspired and i asked my mom like that day how can i do that can i do that like there's kids up on the stage how do i do that right and so she got me like this season pass to showtime pal and like this was a different era right so she would like drop me off at showtime pal and i would watch the same show like over and over and over again um of course i couldn't imagine doing that with my daughter like (laughs) dropping her off anywhere except for school right um but yeah, I just became so, so passionate about like, it was art to me. Yeah. And my mom did some, some digging and some delving and she found out that Showtime Pal was connected to this thing called junior theater. And so you join junior theater and you do little shows. And then if you're good enough, you get, um, you know, elevated to the big stage, to the Showtime Pal stage. And so I started doing junior theater and I remember the first like, play that I auditioned for like all the kids got up we were auditioning for um, a play called the thankful elf and I just remember watching their auditions and being like no 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 like, this is not how the thankful elf feels like this is like I knew and understood the thankful elf at like I you know at seven yeah and so that, that was my first audition and um I, I was cast booked to it play the, nice <laughs> I booked it yeah. I got it I got the job <laughs> to play the thankful elf and like it just I never wanted to stop. I would ask my mom, like, can we, because we lived in, like, just outside of Chicago, like, three hours. So I asked my mom, like, can, I would look in the newspaper for auditions in Chicago, and can we move to L.A.? And I just, I just wanted to always be doing this art. And my mom, of course, was like, wait till you're 18. Right. Um, So I just did all the theater I could in my city, um, in my, in my high school, you know, when I was in junior high, when when I was in high school, I was just constantly doing theater. I always knew I was coming to L.A. I mean, I knew I was coming to L.A. that day when I was watching junior theater. I yeah. was like, I'm, I want to do this. And, you know, it just inspired me. Like, it was never like I want to be famous and, like, sure. on the covers of magazines, right? right. It, was, it was art to me. Like, I remember, like, being 10. I don't know how old I was. Maybe I was, like, 10 or 9. But I watched a movie called And Justice for All with Al Pacino. Hmm. And I just remember being, like, like so invigorated, like the feeling I can compare it to now is like drinking like a big gulp of coffee. Yeah. And I just was like, I was so like moved by his passion and, and, and saw into this world 
that I would never have known anything about were it not for this movie. Yeah. And I just wanted to be a part of something like that because we have all these people in different parts of the world who don't have the opportunity to, to, to connect to everything that there is to connect to. And I feel like film is such an amazing way to connect, yeah. to understand and to experience. I mean, the best way to experience is to like have a, an authentic experience, but we can't always do that. Right. And so I feel like film is just such a beautiful art and that's what drew me to it. And that's what continues to draw me to it and why I stay and keep, you know, working at this. I am speechless because I, so for those who don't know, I got my undergrad degree in theater from a small college here in Texas. And to me, it was also never about the fame and the fortune or anything. It was always the ability to express what I intimately felt to be true. Yes, I love that. And that manifests in a few different ways, right? Sometimes it's a musical, sometimes it's a play, sometimes it's film, sometimes it's it's a movie, sometimes it's a TV show. There's a lot of different ways it can manifest. But it's the opportunity to express that. And I never felt so alive than when I was getting to express art and and provide that. And I, I still remember watching a play. I was in London and it was a two-person show. And it was about, it was just a barber chair. It was a guy getting a haircut and this other guy giving a haircut. And then through the course of the show, you find out that it's like wartime in some European country, supposedly. And this guy's son has gone off to war and he's processing the news that he just received that he's just passed away. And like all of these things unfold as it goes. Wow. And I'm like, this is powerful stuff. Mm. And it's just these two guys having a dialogue over a haircut. And that's when similar to, I think when you were watching um, Injustice for all and seeing the, the emotions being evoked uh, through the course of the art, it stuck with me and it, it resonated Absolutely. so deeply. And I, I love, I feel like I've talked to a lot of different people who, who, who act and there's a lot of excellent perspectives that they've shared. You're the first one that I've felt is really like, I like I I get what you're saying and it just it oh it it moves me so so deeply so thank you for sharing that. Well yay fellow actor I didn't yes. know that about you. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yes, yes. I I enjoy it. I want to I want to pivot a bit as well since we are here to talk about your latest book somebody that I used to know. So how did so knowing that about I wanted to use that as an opportunity to ground the audience in your career and so knowing art from that perspective what drew you into becoming an author and starting to write in the first place yeah another another great question i mean it's both storytelling right right um but what made me veer um into writing was it honestly came from like a deep heartbreak well first mm -hmm. of all let me just say that i've always been a writer as well i started like writing plays when I was in elementary school. Oh my God, I love um, that. I remember we had like an Earth Day project and I asked the teacher, I was like, can I write like a play and cast it? And he was like, sure, um, <laughs> <laughs> why not? So I've always been a writer, but when I started pursuing it as a career was when I just was overwhelmed with heartbreak at the roles that were available for me. Mm. Um, through my journey in Hollywood, <clears throat> you know, I moved to Los Angeles in 1997. I I mean, we've come a long way, right? So yeah. in 1997, um, for years, I got a lot of um, 
stereotypes that would land in my inbox, you know, yeah. like caricatures of like what a black girl was. Right. And um, it just started to be like really heartbreaking. And I wanted to like, I felt like I was just tired of complaining and right. I wanted to be like a part of the change that I wish to see in the world. And right. I felt like the black experience was just being misrepresented. Right. And I was like, how can we tell like more authentic stories about black people? Because really like the black experience is like, is like n normal. Right. Uh, how do we normalize the black experience? Um, I mean, when I went to, I played in the orchestra, like I liked Les Mis, I ate Pop-Tarts. Like I was just like <laughs> a yeah. super normal kid. Right. And when I would watch stories about black people, it was always something either super extreme where you have these like stereotypes right or it was something that was super heavy you mm, know which mm -hmm. those those stories are really important i don't want to take away from of that course. but i also like i just wanted to like read the babysitters club when i was a kid you know yeah. yes and um i just felt like like i said i was tired of complaining i wanted to be a part of the change that i wanted to see in the world and i thought what a great way to do it than writing stories about kids because that's that's where it starts you yes. know um, shaping these young minds and and so that's what made me veer into writing like I can even remember those first moments of just like sitting in front of my keyboard and being like can I do this yeah. but just being so excited about the characters that I was creating so yeah <laughs> it is very important to have the narratives and the stories I had um um a good friend of mine, Jacinto Ramos Jr., who is the president of the Fort Worth ISD school board here a few, several years ago, talked about introducing um, Black and Latinx education and history and starting beyond and before slavery and before being workers in the fields, speaking from the, the Latinx experience. And he said, mm -hmm. if you start, and I remember I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said, if we start history at the point of enslavery, we are putting the foundational knowledge that that is the baseline as opposed mm -hmm. to that was something that happened that was wrong as a, as opposed to starting with nor with normalizing where everybody started from before these tragic things happened. And so to your yeah. point, um, and that was a little bit clunkier, I think than I meant it, but to your point about the heavy stories are important. If that's all there is, then you don't get the representation of eating pop darts, reading Babysitters Club, <laughs> exactly. right? Watching these, watching these films that are so important to the experience, especially exactly. to kids growing up. They don't if if kids don't see themselves reflected, then they don't have, they don't know what they can be. They it's limited. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I hate to say this, I hate to admit it, but I grew up with a lot of self hate. Mm. I didn't like my brown skin. I thought I was ugly. I hated my hair because I never saw me. I never right. saw me in books. I never saw me on TV, um, in movies. Um, I, I, I won't say never because I don't want to be misquoted. Sure. It'll be like Dana Davis says she never oh saw gosh. black people. No, no I'm, yeah. <laughs> but rarely. The representation is limited. Yeah. yeah. I rarely saw a black girl on the cover of a book. And I was a big reader when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and that affected me. And I didn't even know it was affecting me. But I right. used to look in the mirror and like close my eyes and pray and be like, God, mm. when I open my eyes, 
I'm gonna have like long straight hair and I'm gonna have lighter skin. Like I would beg God, I'd be like, please, I don't wanna look like this anymore. Mm. Um, and I know that we all, as a society, played a part in that, that Mm. little girl who hated herself. And so I just wanted to be a part of the group who was like, we did something really bad, let's fix it. Um, And I love that now our shelves have so, you know, I have a little girl. I love that our bookshelves are filled with, you know, stories with little black girls on the cover, um, including my own my own books, you know. Right. So sometimes I like make my daughter read them. She, I'm like, it's your reading hour. And I'll hand her like one of my books. And she's like, this is your book. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, read it. <laughs> so. It's so important. I mean, I think about... Um, I mean, this is not this is not a one for one comparison, but but bringing it back to to this show, that's part of the reason I started this show in the first place is I didn't feel like the the parenting resources that I was looking for as a new dad at the time was I knew that my education was severely lacking based on the limited exposure that I had been given growing up as well. And I wanted to create an avenue where folks could learn on the journey. And and that's what has been helpful for me is, is unraveling a lot of um, incorrect or incomplete education I, w- I and others have been given. And then just the complete lack of representation on our children's bookshelves uh, mm. when we were kids. And then also really up until f- very recently in a lot of respects. And we're, we are, to your point, making a lot of good progress um, by having authors such as yourself putting the books out there. Um, it, but it is took way too long to get here for for sure absolutely yeah we're trying to right that wrong um which is good i'm glad to be a part of that movement i want to talk about so your latest book somebody that used to know i'm gonna read this little description here so uh it is an aspiring musician is forced to reunite with her ex-best friend who just happens to be the world's biggest r&b teen star uh and it's uh it looks to be a doozy. So can you tell us about um, this particular story? How did it come about for you? And then why was this the maybe the right time or the right timing to release this story into the world? Oh, oh such good questions. Um, it's so funny. Like, how does a book begin? You know, I started off, the book is about a girl named Dylan. And Dylan is like this amazing musician who's stuck in a small town in Iowa. And she feels like she's more than what she's experiencing. And so she is just going all out to get into her dream school of Juilliard. And on the eve of this audition, um, this ex-best friend shows up out of nowhere, like completely distracting her from like what she's supposed to be doing. Um, I think mostly I wanted to write like a fun love story with two people of color because like I said, I, I really work hard. Like it's part of my, it's, it's a passion of mine. It's part of my mission as an, as an artist is to normalize the black experience. And I feel like there's not enough love stories um, with two black teenagers. Yep, And so that was really my original goal. I was just like, I want to do a love story um, with two black teenagers. I started off with this character who was this amazing violinist, um, but it was actually in another book. So 
I, I pitched this story about this young girl and my people were like, we really love Dylan, but let's lift her <laughs> out of this story. And so it kind of, that's how it like evolved. Like Dylan came from another dimension, <laughs> a book that will never come out ever because I, <laughs> I never finished it um, because I stole Dylan from it. And I just thought like, how fun and exciting would it be? Not necessarily fun and exciting, but what a story if the most famous person in the world just so happened to be like your ex-best friend. Like, can you right. imagine you're looking on TV and you're like, yeah, I know that person. Right. <laughs> and it's like, you can't get, you can't escape it. Like they're right. on the billboard. They're on every time, you know, you're like scrolling. You're like, there they are again. There they are, <laughs> there they are again. Um, so yeah, I mean, it honestly just started from a place of like, let's tell a, a beautiful story about, about two teenagers falling in love. But I thought also it would be, so compelling and interesting to show like the heart of like hard work and the mindset of a person who just wants something so bad right. um so yeah i mean i think we live in an age where like it's easy like let's put a video on TikTok, right and then it blows up and then you're famous right and so i think maybe kids have forgotten not all kids but some kids have forgotten the hard work it takes to like achieve your dreams you know mm -hmm. and so I just felt like it was such a beautiful thing to show this girl who's like willing to, you know, she, she practices her violin for like three hours a day. And, right. um, so yeah, that's sort of like a little bit of how Dylan came to be. <laughs> I like how you talked about the, the correlation between, um, sort of the almost in, Insta famous and I'm not using Insta to be Instagram, although I guess one could do it. I mean like instantaneously <laughs> famous, um, with with TikTok and a lot of other avenues, whereas there is something to be said about about putting in the hours and working hard. I know speaking strictly for myself, I learned so much. Um, the harder I'm working on a particular skill or a particular talent or towards a particular goal, that I look back and the moments in where I've had good fortune quickly, um, I've not quite learned what what I did to achieve it other than perhaps it just fell the cards fell the right way whereas when right. I look through and and see I mean thinking about my own professional life where I'm at now and I had to work very hard for it I can look back and see the exact steps and the exact learnings that I had which put me in this position to then be in the right spot when the cards fell which is very very different and I love that you've crafted a book where you've got this character Dylan who is putting in the hours and working towards getting such a very uh, a attainable and lofty goal to be a Juilliard. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember I saw, I was, um, I was on Twitter back when I tweeted, I don't anymore, <laughs> but, um, and I saw this author, this black author that I really admired. I was following her and I saw that she had a New York times bestseller and I was like, wow, that's so cool. And so I started to do like a little bit of research on her and I realized, and I didn't even know this because I only knew one other book of hers, but I realized it was like her eighth book. It was her first time hitting the New York Times bestseller list. And I was just like, wow, you know, so often we don't know that that story, you know, right. we don't know how hard they've worked. Can you imagine like she's written eight books? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's beautiful. I mean, hard work is beautiful. And maybe we live in a society that's not sort of valuing that so much anymore. Yeah, it does seem I was listening 
I was listening to an interview with somebody who is a, a content creator, and they were talking about the ways in which they utilize the algorithms of TikTok in order to get the next like hundred thousands of whatever views or likes or whatever. And I'm like, that just sounds like I don't. I'm only speaking about me personally. It sounds very like uh, superficial and like, I don't, what are you, what are you even saying at that point? And maybe that's the right. art, like bringing it back to the art. Maybe that's what it is for me is it's not about the fame. It's about, do I have something to say? What do I want to say? And I love the, the, the act of crafting the book and putting work out there to have something to say so when someone picks it up and they're reading through it they're valuing the the lessons and picking up on the relationship dynamics and everything that's going on in the book i I, that's absolutely you said it that's exactly it right there i want to know um what has been something that speaking of things that you've learned or that one learns what has what have been some of the lessons that you've learned as you've written each of your books up until this point like what are some things you maybe learned about yourself um, that you've then incorporated into the next version the next book that you've put out in the world oh man um well i think just to give like uh, like a generic answer to that question first i would be i i think i would say i learned the art of storytelling Hmm. Um, because when I first started off, I don't, I don't know if I even knew like what I was doing. I just knew like my, my very first book, um, that got published. I wrote two books before Tiffany Sly lives here now, but my first published book was called Tiffany Sly lives here now. And I remember I just wrote, I had this idea about a girl who had so much anxiety. Um, and she was like flying for the first time and she was super nervous and everything led to her like imminent death. Like she was just like, I'm in a car. I'm about to die. I'm on a plane. I'm, I, everything she was going to die because she was just like filled with so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. I sent it like this half of a chapter to my agent thinking this is like a sad thing. I don't even know what I'm writing. And I said it to him and I was like, what do you think of this? And he was like, oh, I think it's so hilarious. Like, it's so amazing. And I and I didn't even know it was funny. I thought it was sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so like constructing Tiffany Sly Lives Here Now really was like. In, in the author world, we call it like plotting or pantsing, mm-hmm. whereas plotting is like you're thinking about everything before you write it out. And pantsing is more just like you're just writing yeah. and you're not thinking about it. You do that later. And so I started off as that kind of an author, whereas now um, I've learned story structure. And so I'm, I'm plotting out, you know, my stories and I'm, I'm trying to understand my characters and what journeys they're going on and what message I'm trying to send out to the world. And so I would say that as my generic answer is just like, I learned storytelling (laughs) and it's, it's such a cool thing, you know, because once you learn the secrets of storytelling, you see it all the time. Mm. You know, I'm watching movies and I'm like, Oh, this is the midpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Like such a nerd, you know, calling, calling my other author friends. And I'm like, do you think this is the dark night of the soul? Or do you think this part, you know? Um, So that's been like, so fun and exciting because now I can I can whip out things like I can pitch ideas to my agents and be like what do you think of this um this is the character's arc and you know it feels it feels really nice to have that that as a part of like who I am like right. knowledge base now yeah um but I think as a person gosh that's that's such a tough question um 
I think I've learned to accept, like, I've learned to love who I am. Like, mm. I remember one time my friend, um, her name is Bree, and she, like, had a purse. And it was like, she was looking for something in her purse. And her purse was, like, filled with all this junk. And she was pulling it out. And it was just, like, the most ridiculous, like, pile of crap coming out of her purse. And I was like, Bree, you're like a protagonist in a, in a book. Like, you're so interesting. Like, look at your purse. <laughs> and, like, I think when you sit down as an author to write a story, you want an interesting character. You don't yeah. want someone whose life is so perfect and right. everything's working out. Yeah. And so, like, I learn, like, I'm a protagonist in my own story. And it's okay if, like, my car is messy or my kid's screaming at me. Or I'm even, like, I'm crying. You know, I'm yeah. having a dark night moment. Yeah. I think before I started on this journey... Um, I just wanted everything to like work out, you know, and now that I've become a writer and I understand storytelling, I realize like we're all in the middle of our stories, you know, mm. and sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Sometimes we're in a dark night. Sometimes we're crying on someone's shoulder. Yeah. Um, it's just all these different moments in our life that we can appreciate yeah. instead of like rejecting, you know, no, yeah. I don't want this. I just want good stuff to happen right. to me. You know, I, uh, I, read a book it's one of my favorite books it's the art of gathering by priya parker and within and if people aren't familiar the whole point of the book is to be intentional about when you gather with other people instead of sort of and it was it was a big bestseller as we're, as we were sort of coming out of a bit of a covid the last couple of years um she wrote it before covid and it was about um trying to make sure that you are knowing where you're going and why you're going there and who you're meeting with and what the point is and being intentional about setting goals. And so um, I think there's so many times where uh, she has a part in there where she acknowledges that we don't give enough space to, to sort of hold the moment and appreciate who we are in that particular mm. moment before that mm. particular event, because we will never be this particular person in this particular moment ever again. And that is heavy to think about. And mm. it's given me a lot of um, healthy weight is what I would say from the perspective of recognizing when I don't, like you said, want, I only want good things. It allows me to appreciate what I might be struggling with and where I might be in my own journey and story um, in order to better appreciate what is right around the corner. So I, I do love that you made that connection because it is so key. I think for us as individuals, we're all in the middle of our story um, and sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down and, and it's always uh, ongoing. Absolutely. And I think that's how we like, learn empathy and that's yes. how we learn to connect to other humans and that's what makes it humanity instead of having this like this individual story where you're just like i'm gonna win right it's like no i'm gonna, I'm gonna connect to other humans i know that in the beginning of my journey as an autism mom um i definitely felt like a victim i was just like i'm having the worst experience as a parent i don't i don't understand it and then like i started to along my journey I, I connected to other autism parents and these are like the sweetest people you'll ever, because they've been through so much because yeah. their hearts are so broken. They're just really good people. And mm. I mean, I, I just spent like a Halloween with like five or six or seven autism parents and their kids. These are the sweetest kids. These are the sweetest parents. I typically hate Halloween. not going <laughs> to lie. But I had the best one because I was with all these amazing parents. Um, 
And I just felt like so blessed. I was like, I'm so glad that my journey has taken me to this place where like I'm surrounded by these really good people and yeah. no one's in competition with one another. We had one kid have a full meltdown and everyone was just like, oh, all right, is he done? Cool, let's go. Like no judgment, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Of course. And I think in other parent circles, it can be very competitive. Yes. Um, and it's just not like that with, with, with uh, parents who have disabled children just because of our story. So instead of feeling like a victim, I feel like really blessed. Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. It, I think, is important for all of us as we're going on our own journeys, and our own stories to think about how we are in connection to others around us, to our community, whether it's our local community, our parent community, um, and any other community in between, because it is, I, th I keep pulling it back to what you said at the beginning of, of being an artist, being a storyteller and having something to say. And I think the ability to be able to tell these stories to help people better understand um, other humans that they can be in community with is what is the most important thing. And I love that you've written this book and I love that you continue to write wonderful books full of wonderful stories and representation for so many kids and being part of the solution to make a better world. Um, as we're starting to wrap, I want to ask you, what is a, this? I usually ask this, but I'm going to sort of divide it into two, two parts here. Um, okay. So what, ed, what advice or perspective do you have for people who maybe are looking to get into acting? And then same with, with being an author, some general advice, maybe your perspective that you've picked up that you would like to share. And then the last question that I'm going to ask you is what is a specific mantra that you have for yourself that you would like to share with the listeners? Oh, um, <laughs> okay. I'll start with the first question. Sure. I would say like, um, if you're wanting to get into acting, watch movies, watch TV shows, watch, um, watch plays, go see musicals, like connect to art. Um, my daughter and I do this thing sometimes where we, we Google like the top 500 songs of all time. And then we just like randomly listen to them and we rate, we're like, okay, what is, what's the rating like one through 10? And you could do that with movies, like go onto IMDb. There's a list of like the 100 greatest movies of all time or whatever. Right. Watch these, watch these movies, watch these great performances. Um, look at the Oscars. It's so funny that these, these, these actors win these Academy Awards. And then we just like move on right. from the art. Like we're like, who won the, I don't even remember. Right. Um, but like research the Academy Awards, see who won and watch their movie. Yeah. Like understand them seek out their their interviews and understand how they prepared for the roles and i mean all of these things connecting to artists is the best way um to sort of begin your journey as yeah. an artist um so as as a writer i would say the same thing you know just read experience i think the thing that that's a little bit but I would say I would add this for writing is to experience. Like mm. if you can take trips, um, even if you can't take a, a long trip, you know, um, go on hikes, like 
listen, like ear hustle. That's what me and my daughter call it. Like listen to people's conversations. <laughs> I love, I love, I love going that. on hikes. <laughs> going on hikes in LA is so interesting because the ear hustling is just great because you hear all these amazing, <laughs> crazy conversations. Um, but it just helps you like to, to connect to people because I think to be an author, you really do have to connect to people, right? Because yeah. you're creating all these different characters. I mean, you're like the the god with a little G right. of this world, of this yeah. world, and so you have to create all these different people. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good place to start as an author. And the other question was like one of my mantras. Yeah. Um, one of my mantras that I say every day is um, I am connecting to the secrets of the universe. Mm. And the reason I say that is because sometimes I think like, what are we all doing? Like we're all working really hard and like, like hamsters on a wheel, like working really hard going nowhere. And so sometimes, not sometimes every day, I want to connect to the universe and be like, how can we like live more authentically? Like, mm. how can we do this better? Because like, one not to be like morbid but like 100 out of 100 people die right nobody right. gets off this planet alive right and so how can we like have a better better how can we better attend to our time here um and so connecting to the secrets of the universe um is just like it's like so important to me um and just lis listening like sitting in silence it's so hard i wake up every morning and I just right away, I want to like check my email. Oh, yeah. But I'm like, you know, I'm going to sit in silence and just see what comes into my, my mind. Like, mm. listen, listen to my higher power. Mm. So, um, yeah. I am fully on board with that. I take time. Um, I take time every evening to be very reflective of the day and to, um, put an intentional mindset for the next day. So I love the, the connecting with the secrets of the universe. Oh, um, that's beautiful and wonderful. And it's given me motivation to do it in the morning as well. I often am also rushing, like, got to get the kids up, got to get this going, got to get the pot of coffee on, got to, got to, got to. But exactly, we're going to just run coffee. right into the grave at that point. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, also not to be too morbid. Um, <laughs> I, this has been, one of my most favorite conversations. Thank you so oh, much. Okay. We're going to we're gonna transition to the last segment of the show. So it's a segment that I like to call Things to Check Out. Um, it's a segment where I provide a recommendation for the listeners of something to read, watch, or listen to. And I ask my guests to do the same. Maybe it's something they're currently consuming or something that's top of mind. Um, so I'll go ahead and go first. Okay. If you haven't already bought somebody that I used to know, I don't know what you're doing with your life. I hope you are driving and you're not able to multitask. That is the only excuse that I will accept for someone having listened to this entire interview and not already placed an order for somebody that I used to know. So besides somebody that I used to know, um, uh, a recommendation for a book, uh, former guest uh, Sean Amos, or the Reverend Sean Amos, he's a blues musician, wrote a book called Cookies and Milk. It's a fictionalized retelling of his life growing up uh, with his dad, Wally Famous Amos, and them starting the cookie shop in California, which is the big brand name that everyone knows now. And he mentions on a previous interview that I've had him on, uh, it was an attempt by his family to sort of reclaim 
the telling of their own family story, the famous Amos story from from other corporations. So that's an excellent book. You should check that out. Um, uh, podcast recommendation I have for folks, it's The Stacks with Tracy Thomas, I believe is her last name. Tracy's been on the show before to talk about the podcast. It was started as an attempt to highlight uh, underrepresented authors and their stories because they were not getting enough focus and attention and love. Tracy is a brilliant follow, especially on Instagram for those Bookstagram lovers, definitely go check her out. She's a dear friend of the podcast. And then watching uh, for me, uh, I had seen... So I'm a huge Jordan Peele fan, as everyone should be, because he's a brilliant (laughs) filmmaker. Um, I saw Nope in theaters when it came out. Very glad I did. Uh, It deserved to be seen in all of its majestic glory. Um, I had not seen Us, and I watched it uh, last night on Halloween, and it was a perfect uh, film to watch on Halloween, and I'm still thinking about all of the nuances that went into that film. So I'm not going to say anything else. Folks need to go check it out, but Get Out, uh, Get Out, Us, and Nope uh, are the three that uh, are required from Joe Shaw's, uh, film school list. So Dana, what are you, uh, reading, watching and or listening to, or have recommendations for the listeners? Okay. This, <laughs> this is a tough question because I've been on deadline literally for like two years. So <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> and, and I'm a single mom, which is, um, lovely, but, but tricky as far as like sure. having, having extra time (laughs) um so gosh what am i watching i can't even like remember the last thing that i watched um sadly i watched this uh this series i wouldn't say sadly because it was like an amazing series but it was called um romance as a bonus book oh okay and it's a it's a netflix series and it's in korean but it's so worth it i know some people like don't want to read subtitles but I it, it doesn't bother me. I love reading subtitles yes. as long as I have my glasses handy. Right. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, series, and it's about their they work at a publishing company. Um, it's just really sweet. It's you can't go wrong with romance as a bonus book. It's so great. Um, as far as like reading, I'm I'm sad to say I haven't been reading because I've been on deadline for sure. a couple of years. Sure. But I'm gonna take your recommendations. Um, and listening to is same. Like I, I I listen to like a lot of like I go on um, I go on YouTube and I and I watch a lot of like my favorite. You know, um, I don't even have words for them. Like I don't want to, but just like listening to like little pockets of things like I, I think I can only take like five minutes because I'm so oh, sure. <laughs> busy like and my daughter's like once she goes to sleep I'm like okay now I have time and then like 10 minutes later I'm sleep too right um, I mean <laughs> let's just appreciate the fact that uh, we I don't I I'm my soapbox is out for the folks that are like why don't you just do this when your kids are asleep with all your free time it's like oh you mean when I could be sleeping because the day has been so exhausting that it's crushed me yet again sure I'll I'll, I'll do I'll, I'll do all of the things but yes so you were saying you were saying that you you're watching um, like different content creators or different uh, folks yeah on, like on there's YouTube, this like there's this one there's this one guy is um he has a channel his name is Jimmy Corsetti okay and he has a channel called bright insight And it's really just, like, so fun because, like, he does a lot of, like, ancient history conspiracy, like, who really built the pyramids? Right. Like, I'm so interested in that sort of thing. Um, 
so I, I love him. He, he also like travels a lot and brings his camera. Um, and it's really cool. So yeah. And like, there's just these like, like little people like Jimmy Corsetti who are doing these little random talks Yeah. that those are the kinds of things that I'm watching, which kind of sucks for me. Cause like when I'm out with friends or like at a dinner party and everyone's talking about the latest thing, I'm just like, but did you hear Jimmy Corsetti's <laughs> last thing on YouTube? And they're like, what are you talking about? Who? So, um, yeah, I need to get with it. So <laughs> when I, I'm going to, I'm going to take your suggestions. So definitely, definitely. I love it. Well, Dana, this has been fantastic. If people want to, um, we will put links in the show notes for folks to go purchase the book as well. Um, but if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that on social media? Um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's it's Dana L. Davis. And um, yeah, that's the best way. Perfect. I'm going to give you a follow right now because it's Yay. fantastic. Um, God, this has been a fantastic conversation. I hope you will come back on again because this is just uh, we could go on and on and on for hours so thank you so much for your time tonight i would love to i had so much fun chatting with you so thanks for having me of course and uh, listeners you've been detoxing with detox now go and make a more inclusive world if you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com that's d-t-a-l-k-s podcast at gmail.com you can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.